Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In, the podcast where we talk about what's going on in our brains instead of what's happening outside. We're your hosts, Steffi Predmore and Megan Myers. This week's episode, Infertility. What's up, Megan? Oh, not too much. How are things going over there? We are surviving. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's like the baseline. Um, I feel like this week I have felt very just like drained. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I feel like part of it might be that this Midwest weather is just... Midwestern Springs, yo, it is, it was so beautiful last week, and we had some lovely, just like almost hot days, and it was like, okay, yeah, great weather, you know, here to stay, no, 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 like, tonight we have a winter weather advisory, so it's like too cold to go outside and go for walks, and it's kind of gloomy, and like, I feel like that combined with the fact that I have not driven my car in like five weeks is just starting to like drain on me. So this week I was feeling a little like, okay. Cabin fever. Uh-huh. Yeah. Cabin fever. Just like missing our families. My, one of my very best friends, they had their first baby yesterday and like I know we won't get they live down the street but like we know we won't get to like go like I'm not gonna get to go over and like meet the baby or like take her you know like a little care package and like love on them the way that I normally would want to when somebody like has something big happen in their life and just you know all of these things that I'm like ugh like ah. So, yeah, surviving. <laughs> yeah, uh, the I think a lot of it too is um, just the general like feel of what's going on. I was talking to my friend the other day, and we were talking about how um, it's like grief. It's like a, a yes. stage of grief, basically. Yes. Uh, so, and that's that's just really draining mm-hmm. as it is without really what thinking about it. It just kind mm-hmm. of is a thing in the background. Uh, and that was like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. This week for me has been uh, a little all over the place. I've discovered that like basically by Thursday I'm done mm-hmm. with life. Like Monday I was pretty good. Like Monday felt great. Things felt under control. Uh-huh. Tuesday most of the day felt pretty good. Wednesday was starting to get a little crazy. And then <laughs> today I was just like, no. <laughs> Yeah. Just over like my kids always asking me questions and like just out people always being around me all the time right. and all the things. Right. Yeah. It's hard to just so you're like I, like you can go be alone in your house, but like I don't know, there's something different than just being able to like make everyone leave or you yourself like get in the car and just like go wander target for like an hour yeah i don't know is there's just something about like yes i i feel like introverts are maybe slightly better equipped for this whole thing but also if you are social distancing with people in your house you're like 
I'm sick of looking at your damn face. Right. That's the thing. Like, and as introverts, like, it, it is easier overall compared mm-hmm. to, like, I feel, I mean, I'm having a hard time. I really don't want to know how my extroverted friends are feeling. But exactly. the thing about being an introvert is that, like, you need people to leave you alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you don't get into that, you turn into a monster. Yes. Um, yeah. And so... I'm glad I have enough space in my house where I can like hide like where this room where I record the podcast is um, our spare bedroom but it's also like my little craft station and so I just go up there and hide now and do my little crafts and hope nobody opens the door and bothers me. (laughs) I've got a friend who is she lives out in LA and she and her husband live in like a 225 square foot studio apartment and I feel so bad for her it does not <laughs> like, luckily, sound awesome luckily they do have like an outdoor patio so they can like go out there and obviously it's LA so the weather is like nice but mm-hmm. um so like one of them could be inside and one of them could go on the patio but just legitimately like not having sep- like real separate spaces to just escape to would i yeah it would not be pretty for yeah my husband and i and just our personalities and <laughs> just how we like to have our little like chunks of alone time in the evenings and bless mm-hmm. it bless it all but we are surviving i hope that I'm hoping that nicer weather is around the corner here in Illinois and just like I I just I don't think I realized how much being able to just like go outside in the sunshine and like take a walk around the block helped my mindset until it got cold again this week and I'm like fuck a duck (laughs) god damn it so pray for us with our winter weather advisories in the middle of April (laughs) So the other thing that is on the middle of April, (laughs) look at that segue, is National Infertility Awareness Week. So I wanted us to do an episode on infertility for this week because I feel like there, I feel like having been through my own infertility journey that it's not talked about enough and that it's hard all the time but also I feel like there are some things happening right now with COVID that is making infertility even shittier and um, so felt like it deserved a little bit of a shout out in the form of an episode this week. Yeah I think it's something that's definitely it has been growing in terms of people talking about it but it's Mm -hmm. still not really talked about. Yeah, and like I feel like there's still I feel like there's still a stigma, even if it's a stigma that we put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um because yeah, there's definitely people who are speaking out about it more. There's been I know a lot more like celebrities who speak out about having to go through IVF or having to use surrogates or whatever their you know it might be for them, um, and that definitely helps like bring awareness to infertility and that one in eight women um, are going to struggle with fertility problems. Um, 
But, you know, there's still like this stigma that we, I think, as women put on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to like talk about. Um, it took me, gosh, it, it took me over a year to start sh- like sharing um, about our infertility problems. Um, and I finally just. I was just tired of keeping it in basically. And, you know, luckily I'm married to a man that is like pretty open as well. And he didn't care that I was sharing. And um, I started talking about just even before we really had a diagnosis or talking about like what we were going through. And I cannot tell you how many messages I got then and in the years since. Um, Basically, every time I talk about it, I get messages on social media from people, both people I know and people I don't know, who are like, thank you for talking about this. Like, I went through this and never felt comfortable talking about it with anyone. Or like, I am going through this right now and I don't have anyone to talk to. Mm -hmm. And... um, like there's someone that we've known for a little while, like here in town. And she reached out and was like, Hey, I have some questions. Like my husband and I are trying to get pregnant and it's been a while and it's not working. And like, because we started talking about our infertility, we are now like super close friends. Um, And so that's, I just, every time I get messages from women that are like, thank you. Like, your story gives me hope or it's so nice to know I'm not alone. Like that's why I keep sharing about it, even though like sometimes it's not always easy to share about. Um, It's just, I don't know. There's something about knowing that somebody else is benefiting. I've even, you know, and I've also had friends who are like, I had no idea this was something that so many women struggled with. Like I sneezed and got pregnant. And so (laughs) I had no idea, you know? And so if, if it's helping someone feel not so alone or if it's helping someone understand like how to be a better friend to someone in their life who's struggling, like then it's worth it to share. <laughs> then I will share all about my uterus with you. <laughs> <laughs> What's mine is yours. I think part of the stigma too is that um, it feels like you've done something wrong. Yeah. Like women are made to have babies and Mm -hmm. if your body's not making a baby what's wrong with you yeah um there was actually a really good episode recently of brooklyn 99 oh um i don't know how how far you might be into the show or if our listeners watch the show i am only a few seasons in but i know some of the things that happen like later on Okay, so... Spoiler um, alert, in case you haven't watched spoiler it. Spoiler alert. It's a few... <laughs> it's a few episodes out now from now. But, uh... Sure. So, Jake and Amy are married at mm-hmm. this point. That happened a few seasons ago. That's not really a spoiler anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they decide to try to start having a baby. And, uh... If you watch the show, you know that Amy is a one. Like, hardcore. <laughs> Like, full-on loves binders. Like, she's the police version of Leslie Nope. Like, that kind of situation, level one. She's great, okay? Yeah. We love our ones, um, right? <laughs> but, so, she 
is the kind of person like the way that they had her do in the show like she planned all of the things and she made charts and they were taking the vitamins and they had all the thing doing all the things that they were supposed to do and she had it all very organized and stuff and it showed like the progression of them like doing all the things through all of these months mm-hmm. and not getting pregnant yeah and i was like that's a really good way to show it and at the end of the episode there was one like they were trying and trying and I can't remember how many months were supposed to have gone by during this and it was another month where they had not gotten pregnant and then Amy was finally like I'm done and he's like oh we mean like till next month and she's like no I'm done just done and I won't continue I won't like say what happens after that but yeah. like the end of that episode I was like thank you yeah. Brooklyn 99 for like doing that because that's how it feels like (laughs) you just don't like you don't know what's wrong with you or wrong with your partner and it's just really painful every single month yeah every single month either i finally had to like stop buying pregnancy tests Mm -hmm. and like i will never i will never forget um i it was the year mark for us of trying and it was like a Saturday and I hadn't got my period yet and I woke up before Alex did and I had one last pregnancy test and I went and I took it and it was negative and I just left it on the counter and I crawled back in bed and he got up like maybe 15 minutes later to go to work and he like went in the bathroom and he saw it and he came back in and he just looked at me and I just burst into tears and it was the first time I really cried about it Mm -hmm. like really cried and like I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and like he eventually he was like I have to go to work um but it was just like I finally had to just stop buying pregnancy tests and like make a rule for myself that like I would have to be a minimum of five days late to even consider buying a pregnancy test. Mm-hmm. Um, like that had to be my new rule because hey, I was wasting a lot of money on pregnancy tests. Okay, <laughs> the things are like not cheap. <laughs> the dollar store ones are fine. And well, like, <laughs> but then you're like sitting there, and you're like, but what if? Anyway, it's a whole thing. And. <laughs> Like, it just, it was, like, an extra, it was, like, an extra disappointment. Like, Mm because then you take the pregnancy test, and it's negative, and then you, and then you get your period of, like, a day or two later, so then you're disappointed again. Like, it's just, like, this, the hits just keep on coming, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, everything, and when you get to that point, like, everything is so painful. Like, it's just all so emotional and hard and you know if if you're in a season where you have friends or family who are starting to have babies it's just like compounded by however many people in your life are suddenly all pregnant at the same time yeah um and then also if they're all asking you Mm -hmm. like when are you gonna have your baby when you start either start your family or continue your family and you're just like fuck you (laughs) (laughs) there's no good answer because you don't want to say that you're trying because you don't want to open that door of like crazy aunt betty giving you her like i don't know 
honey belly rub treatment <laughs> I, thing or something insane. Exactly. Um, and you don't want to not, you don't want to not tell the truth, but right. you can't. I finally, like, it finally got to a point where, like, I just had so few fucks left that when people would say something, I would just be like, well, I'm super infertile. So <laughs> they would, I mean, it shuts people down pretty quickly. <laughs> also teaches them to mind their own business. Yeah, it's really not anyone's business, like no. when or if you're going to have a baby. No, no, it's not. So, and you know, like, and I know, obviously for me, I had issues straight off the bat. My, I actually have a Instagram story highlight um, with my full like infertility story. If anyone is interested, um, I have endometriosis and some other issues. Um, so for me, like fertility has been an issue from the jump. Um, but I, I have multiple friends who've experienced secondary infertility, which I think doesn't also like as little as just infertility is talked about in general, I feel like secondary infertility is talked about and recognized even less. Yeah. Um, I had secondary infertility. Um, and one of the reasons why I think that it doesn't get talked about is because you feel bad talking about it. Yeah. Because it feels, because you do if you do already have a baby and you have secondary infertility then other people are like well you already have one right and so it's hard to talk about because you feel like it's not as big of a problem right but it's the same thing it's just that you happened to already you have got a lucky baby. the first time for whatever right. reason right right um yeah because like for me we got really lucky the first time and it was like we sneezed and got pregnant <laughs> But the second time, it took, like, years. Yeah. And it, that's, like, my kids are really far apart. And everyone's like, why are your kids so far apart? Did you plan it that way? And we're like, nope. Nope. None of your damn sure business. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. That's definitely, especially, it, it's a little harder, too, when it comes to going to the doctor because yeah. you do have that history of, like, well, it worked before, so, and I'm like, sure what's wrong with me like, now? It'll just happen. A little bit because they were, when, for my case, when I went in and when I was like, well, it's been a year because I was like, you should talk to the doctor after a year. So you, right. we went in and they were like, well, you're still young. <laughs> You're not over, like, the magic age. It's the worst. So, in theory, there's nothing wrong with you. It's not worth getting checked out for, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, are are you sure? Because it's been, like, a long time. Right. (laughs) Um, And so that was really frustrating, too, because it felt like, you know, going back to our our medical episodes that we did, it just felt like no people weren't listening to us. Right. Yeah. They don't. They don't listen. I had... I mean, I had so many signs pointing to having endometriosis and it took years to get any doctor to take me seriously and when it was finally like the doctor that diagnosed me she took one look at my chart and she was like "Mm, yeah 99% you have percent sure that you have endo I mean I can't diagnose you without doing the surgery but like I would bet anything on it and (laughs) yeah stage three endometriosis like it was pretty apparent um but they just don't take you seriously also um (laughs) this is like 
I am not a medical professional, you guys. I'm just going to preface what I'm about to say with the fact that you probably should not be taking medical advice from me. I wish I had lied about how long we'd been trying. <laughs> Do you think that would have made a difference in terms of? Um, I think, I mean, I think I would have gotten somebody to take me seriously sooner. Mm-hmm. Like I knew at six months that something was wrong and they would not listen. And I finally, like my family doctor who um, I had growing up, and who, when I was a teenager, like kind of suspected I might have endo. She was the one, I think we'd been trying like 10 months. Um, and she was the one that was like, finally was like, no, I absolutely think there's likely something going on here. Like your health history, like all signs point to there is something going on. Um, and so she started to do some stuff like, before the year mark but she knew that she wouldn't be able to get any like fertility specialists to take me before it had been a year which is so frustrating Mm -hmm. like i was like i should i should just fucking lie like it's harder (laughs) it's harder to lie like i don't know you've been on had an iud or something and there's records of when that was taken out but like Sometimes I'm like, look, if it's been like nine, ten months, just tell them it's been a year because (laughs) otherwise they're going to make you wait that two months and that's stupid. Like I said, not a medical professional, so (laughs) take that statement with a grain of salt. But yeah, it's it is. It's so frustrating to just get someone to listen to you. Yeah. And that's I feel like the biggest hurdle getting yeah. someone to listen and take you seriously for sure it's like well like, as we have talked about before like with any medical thing like most people are like it's in your head like right. it's not really what's happening especially Man. if it's something that's inside you and people yes. can't see if i had a dollar for every time someone told me like just relax and you'll get pregnant I could have fucking paid (laughs) for all of the fertility treatments that we did. Like, (laughs) don't tell people that. Just don't. Don't say that. No. It's not how it works, you guys. Just eat more avocados and relax. (laughs) Use some essential oils. No. This is not how it works. My uterus is fucked up, guys. (laughs) What? Um, I want to chat a little bit about folks who are experiencing um, treatments that have been delayed or like indefinitely postponed because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, I mean, I know a lot of people who have had appointments or tests or treatments or rounds of IVF, you know, cycles of IVF that have just been canceled and postponed. And um, first of all, if that is you, I am so sorry. Like, I, I cannot imagine how, like, frustrating that is and how... Like, that is adding an extra layer of stress and anxiety and disappointment to everything that's happening in the world right now. Um, But I also, like, I want to just make it clear 
for anyone listening who has someone in their life that's experienced that, that it's not about like that person's disappointment is not about not being able to get pregnant on like their schedule because guess what? If you're infertile, you're already used to that shit. (laughs) Right. There's no real schedule there. (laughs) You've thrown your calendar out the window anyway. (laughs) So like, that's not what it's about. But like, it can take months to get into specialists. It can take months and weeks to prepare your body for specific treatments. And, you know, it can take, you know, tens of thousands of dollars of prep work and medications and tracking your cycle and doing different all sorts of blood work and ultrasounds and appointments to be ready to do these things at that have to happen at really specific times in your cycle and so you know, for some of these women who have had things canceled or postponed, like they may have just lost thousands of dollars. That might have been their last shot or their only shot. And so I just encourage you, like if there's someone in your life that had that happen to them and they're struggling, like just love on them and don't try to give them a bunch of fluffy advice because it might be like way more than just oh I have to wait a few more months it might be that that was that was it for them um and they just might not be sharing that with you so just have some grace for these couples and these women who are experiencing that because it it like breaks my heart for them I didn't even realize that that was happening, um, actually, because I, I guess I would have thought that would have been classified um, under the more so. like more essential medical. You would think um, so, but yeah. I know multiple people who have had treatments and things just completely like, oh, we're gonna have to cancel your appointment or we're going to have to reschedule it or we're going to have to postpone it indefinitely like on, on varying levels like appointments um IUIs you know all these different things um so it's yeah like I was very perplexed when it started happening too because I was like I mean it's a doctor's appointment like wouldn't that so I don't and I don't know if maybe they're hesitant to like basically get someone pregnant right now when mm-hmm. being pregnant puts you at a higher like your higher risk if you're pregnant right i i don't really know the i don't really know the why behind some of that i just know that i, I know multiple people it's happened to and like it breaks my heart for them yeah that is really sad yeah because you just because again like <laughs> more we just don't know when all the shit's gonna end so (laughs) like even if they can can you know pick back up when the world goes back to normal like we don't know when that's gonna be and if you're struggling with infertility like yes maybe you are young which spoiler alert is not really like when people are like yeah well you're still young like 
fuck you, that's not helpful either. Right. It is not. <laughs> Pretty much if, anything, any advice is not helpful. No, like, if you've been ready to have a baby, like, when you decide with your partner, like, okay, we're going to try to have a baby, like, you are ready to have a baby. Yes. And so when someone's like, well, you're still young, like, I, I don't care. I, my heart has been ready to be a mother for however many years now like stop saying that so yeah I think when you are there's a difference between like people who you know you just get pregnant and then Mm -hmm. people who try to have pregnant get pregnant Mm we're like if you are consciously trying to get pregnant you are ready to like have a baby tomorrow yeah (laughs) like (laughs) maybe not like physically with like you know having a crib and like all that but mentally you're like I'm heart is ready yeah and yeah. it's just every moment is, uh, yeah, just rough. Like it thinking is. back <laughs> to when that was like it's been years, but I'm just like that was really rough. Yes. The other thing I like the other thing I would say to you know if you have someone in your life who is struggling with infertility um, is to just really have grace with them um, about. Like, they may not be able to be super excited about your child's, mm-hmm. like, milestones. They just yeah. might not be able to. Like, if you are pregnant and you have a friend that's struggling with infertility, like, they might not be able to come to your baby shower. They might not be able to cut. Well, right now, no one can go to the hospital to meet a new baby. But in normal times, they right. just might not be emotionally able to come do that or, you know... It, it might be a short visit because it's really painful for them or they might not want to come to your kid's first birthday party or like any of that kind of stuff like please don't be offended by that even if they're not liking all of your kids photos on yeah. facebook like I, I know people that notice that and that's very frustrating to me because we're all in different places in our lives and yes. it's, it has nothing to do with you or your no. child or anything like that at oh. all no, and that's it is really hard. And so like that I guess that's my piece of advice for like if you have someone in your life that's mm-hmm. going through it, like if you are the person struggling with it, like I guess I would say have grace with yourself. Because mm-hmm. I I definitely have I've talked about this and like I struggled with it myself too, like being sad for myself. And, like, recognizing that me being sad for myself and, like, just not emotionally being able to handle going to baby showers or birthday parties or any of that kind of stuff um, didn't mean that I, like, wished my friend ill. Like, it doesn't mean I'm not happy for you or I don't want you to have your baby and be happy and have your beautiful family. It just means that, like... I am in a really emotionally raw state and you probably don't want me to come to your baby shower because I will probably burst into tears at some point and have to go hide in the bathroom and it, that's just really not a cute thing. So like you probably don't want me there. And that's a si- sign of a great party. <laughs> it's not right. It's just like not really like mm, like I remember um, my cousin's wedding um she got married like three months after my mother passed away and so like 
it was the first family event without my mom. And so I was already like kind of in an emotional place. And then like I we were all like hanging out. It was the reception. People were dancing. And I look over and I see her sister, my other cousin, like dancing with her husband and her at the time two-year-old. And all of a sudden I was like, oh shit. And I literally got up and ran to the bathroom and like locked myself in a stall and just like lost my shit entirely. Like mm-hmm. Alex, I went, I, I disappeared from the table so fast that Alex was like, where the fuck did she go? <laughs> like he, he finally was like, oh shit. And like ha- he like had to like poke his head in the women's bathroom and be like, babe, <laughs> are you in here? Um, and like I had to leave early from the reception. Like I just had to like go back to the Airbnb because I couldn't I couldn't stop crying. Um, and so but it didn't mean that I was like I hated my cousin who was happy with her baby. Like I just it was it's hard to like recognize that you can feel multiple feelings at once like I can be happy for my friend who's having a baby and also be sad for myself that I'm not there right and like that's okay and if your friends and family don't understand that they're probably not as good of friends as you thought that they were yeah like I'll just say it like if they aren't going to understand if, if they know everything that's going on in your life, which you have every right to keep to yourself, first of all, but if like they're the type of people that you have, you know, disclosed to them what you're going through and they still don't understand why you can't come to their baby shower, they're not really that good of a friend. Yeah. And it's not even that they like they don't have to, you know, necessarily try to understand what you're feeling but they just need to understand that you're feeling it yes and that you need the space to feel it yep it's the same thing actually that um we were trying to teach my littlest son now that like you're okay it's okay to have your feelings you can feel your feelings and that's totally fine and i think people um it's something that we tell kids a lot and i think it's something that we forget as adults that we need to let each other feel their feelings yeah that's such a good point and you don't even like need you don't need to like delve into a deep why about it the fact that you're feeling them is enough yeah i wanted to talk a little bit about spouses yeah um i know that you and alex have pretty much always been on the same page um Mm -hmm. from when we talked about adoption but I'm wondering what kind of advice you might have um, if it's not the case. Um, you know, if people go into a marriage or partnership, you know, expecting to have children and then this this comes up, what yeah. what do you what do you suggest? What what kind of things what kind of tools out there are there? Man, uh, find a therapist. Yeah. I think. For real. Like I I did not go to therapy as early. I think I've said this before. I did not mm-hmm. go to therapy as early as I should have. Um, when you compound like the infertility and my mom being sick and like all of those things that were happening all at once in my life, like I really should have gotten my ass to therapy sooner. There was a lot. It was <laughs> a lot happening. <laughs> there was a lot going on. Um, but just like 
even like if you just take the infertility like I really wish I had gone to see a therapist sooner mm-hmm. um and I feel like especially if you and your spouse or your partner like are struggling with being in different places about it and like what you do um I really feel like finding either like individually finding therapists that you're comfortable with or whether it's maybe it's a couples therapist or whatever um I feel like having a third party who can kind of help mediate some of those conversations and get into some of the like why you feel the way that you feel um I think that that's really gonna be one of the main ways to work through that because like honestly if Alex and I hadn't really been on the same page about like how we ultimately wanted to grow our family like that would have been a really tough thing to work through in our marriage Mm -hmm. and I can see like you know and I and I'm sure that that is a cause for you know marriages failing this has to be yeah so I I don't know I feel like I feel like a, a really good therapist would be a great place to start for sure yeah and I think that's one of those things that people don't talk about necessarily before they you know get together and mm-hmm. um like they might talk about children but they never really talk about the what if we can't right. have children part of it right um and one thing I think is important too is to make sure that people don't blame the other party Yes. Um, just as much as like feeling that you're the one that's broken and doing something wrong and stuff, you yeah. don't want to project that feeling onto your partner either. Yeah. Um, because it really, who knows, like until you get a medical opinion, there's no way right. of knowing. And even once you do know, like your uterus is broken. Okay. That doesn't make you any less of a person. Right. You just right. have to figure out what to do next. Right. Right. And I'm, I, like, I have been so lucky to be with a man who, like, doesn't care. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I mean, he cares, but not, like, he doesn't see, like, I have been the one that has struggled the most with, like, I can't give you this. Mm -hmm. And... I think that a lot of times that's the case, too. Yeah. And, like, it was always, it would, like... (laughs) It was always hardest for me after we had an adoption fall through. Mm -hmm. Like, I was always like, how do you put, like, why are you still here with me? Like, your life, like, I I, I always had this, like, I feel like you could have avoided so much, like, horrible pain by not being with me. Like, you could have married somebody that you wouldn't have had to go through all of this grief and loss and like had this family and Alex is like that's bullshit like stop that is just bullshit cut that out if there's anyone that he wants to go through it with it's with you it's with me and so you know and he's like made it clear that he would rather go through all of this with me than none of it with someone else yeah you know and so like I hope, like, I hope everyone has a partner like that if when they're going through shit like this. 
I hope you don't have to go through shit like this. But if you do, I hope you have a partner like that. And if you don't, I hope you have friends yeah. with you and to you help you along. I do, like, I think because Alex knew that I internalized so much of, like, our struggle, mm-hmm. like, he, I think in a lot of ways felt very much like he needed to be strong for me. Um, and so he didn't often express his disappointment in the same way that I did. Um, like he was often, you know, like, okay, I'm going to put on the like optimistic, like, okay, it didn't work this month, but like, you know, they've got more, more ideas for us, you know, we'll keep trying like da da da. Um, but he had a coworker at the time who also had endometriosis and, um, she was really his sounding board. And I know that like, you know, he would go to work and she would ask how things were going. And that was really who he talked to and got a lot of his like anxiety and like, and she would say like, he worries so much about you and he loves you so much. And like, I knew more about like how heartbroken he was almost from her just because he wanted to like put on this brave face for me. Um, And, but I'm really glad that he had her to talk to because, you know, she also like knew what I was going through like physically. And so she could say like, Hey, like after these surgeries, she's going to feel X, Y, and Z, like do this for her. It's going to make her feel better or like help her or whatever. Um, In addition to just like giving him someone that he could talk to. And so like, I feel like having a friend whomever it is, like if it's your best, you know, your best friend or somebody else that's been through it or whatever, just like having someone who isn't your partner to talk to is important. Mm -hmm. Because we've talked about before, like how my therapist, one of the best things she taught me is like your spouse cannot and should not like meet all of your emotional needs. And I think this is one of those cases, like, having someone else that you deeply trust that you can talk to about these things I think does help absolutely yeah I think there's there's so much that you just especially if it's a person that like if you're having the problem with that person with your spouse you don't want to talk to them about it because probably they're sick of hearing it because they're also (laughs) experiencing it with you um (laughs) so it is really important to to find someone else that you can have that trust and confide in right it does it does help make all of your conversations not be debbie downers yeah like yeah it leaves the door open for you to talk about something else literally anything else (laughs) it's kind of like uh you know if you go if you hang out with people from work but then when you're hanging out like outside of work and all still all you talk about is work and you're like oh man right <laughs> it's the same like, thing uh, can we talk about anything else talked about work all day <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly i lived work and now i'm talking about work right it's this yes it's that's exactly how it, kind of what it's like so yeah um yeah you know so i know it's it's just it is hard and it sucks and there's literally like when I have friends that are you know struggling with it 
I'm like, there's literally nothing I can say to you that's going to make it better. I'm just, it sucks. And I'm really sorry. Do you want me to bring over a bottle of wine or some ice cream or like come watch a movie with you? Do you want to sit and cry with me? Like those are all things that (laughs) I offer because they're the (laughs) things that helped for me, like being able to just like call up a girlfriend and, you know, have them bring over some wine and or ice cream or whatever and just like let me cry on the couch next to them and then we'd like watch a stupid movie or something because and you know, without without them like, Oh, well here's my advice. Like Yeah. No, sometimes you just need somebody to like Yeah. Be there. Mm-hmm. You can sit and not talk. It's fine. Yes. Just uh, just the act of being there and like knowing that person, letting that person know that you are there for them is yeah, just really important. Yeah. I do feel like, I feel like in our society, we like want to fix things. Oh, of and course. So <laughs> it is really, I think it is really hard for people when their loved ones are hurting or struggling, like they want to fix it and you mm-hmm. can't, there's some things that you cannot fix. And so just saying, I love you, and this sucks, and I know it sucks, would you like some cheese? (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that's what we need. So, Um, Megan, do you have any other advice, either to people who are experiencing infertility particularly secondary infertility since that's you know what you yourself struggled with or if people who have loved ones who are any any final thoughts you want to share um i mean i guess i would just go back to the part where um when people ask you (laughs) when the next baby is coming um which is never okay ever even if you're not trying to have another baby. Right. Um, just practicing your stoic face, basically. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, it's hard. You want to talk about it, but you also don't want to talk about your sex life with your husband's so aunts. Weird. Um, yeah, also, we're banging on a schedule. Yeah, it's real hot. Um, <laughs> I, I guess the other thing I want to say is don't get discouraged also by the people who are like well i had infertility and i did this and i cured myself like that is not helpful and um i would just steer clear of that anytime you come across it um it's kind of toxic in my opinion um and I, i think maybe if it if it worked for them that's great but also i think it's kind of disingenuous to be promoting some sort of magical cure um i think that's a lot of one of those things that you know really gets people's hopes up and um is not healthy uh it's hard enough as it is and i don't i don't want anyone to be trying some crazy thing and having that not work and then having the double disappointment right it's just a lot Um, it worked for Susie. oh right lucky you Susie. right Exactly. Lucky you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and yeah, I would just echo what we said before about, you know, if you need to walk away from the people that are 
having babies or talking about their babies or their pregnancies or things that are joyful when you're not joyful, that's that's cool. You can do that. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Also, while we're mentioning sex lives, (laughs) if you are in the thick of the throes of infertility, someday your sex life will be fun again. I promise. (laughs) Someday when you're through it, either just because you decide you're done or you get pregnant or switch whatever it is, someday you will not be having sex on a schedule and it will be fun again. I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Someday you will not need that thermometer right next to your bed. It will all be wonderful. And a notebook to write down your temperature. Exactly. All of it. I was legit like talking with a friend about that. I was like, I promise someday it'll be fun again. And she was like, I really look forward to that. (laughs) So it'll, you know, it's, it, it, I can't promise how or when that'll get better, but you know, someday that at least you can have that to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) So I know this was a hard emotional episode, but we got to talk about joy. We always have to talk about joy. I mean, can't end the, end the episode on a sad note. No. So last, tell me. Yes. Yes. Uh, in our minisode, I had mentioned how I had taken up embroidery. Mm-hmm. And today, I got a new book in the mail that is full of cute embroidery patterns. You have to I'm send me a link. You didn't tell excited. me about this. Well, I have to have some surprises. Can't tell you everything. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there's a lot going on. Priorities. Um, so the book is called Thread Folk, and it has some really cute designs um, that I feel like I might have seen some of these. Um, maybe not these exact artists, but similar ones, like uh, inspired by probably mm-hmm. it, um, on Etsy and things like that. So it's got uh, it's not super complicated. I don't think. Sure. I don't. I don't know. I'm not. You're a, like, I'll find out when I I'm get into it. I'm not a pro, it. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's got a bunch of different designs. It's got some designs like how to make uh, embroidered patches. Cute. I think it's pretty cool. It has some instructions for our, if you wanted to embroider onto shoes and some <gasps> other pieces of clothing. Um, I do kind of wish there were even more patterns, but a lot of it is technique. And so for someone like me that's, like, learning, I think it's really helpful. And I am excited to actually find some fabric and to make some of these. Yeah. Yeah, I know fabric is uh, in uh, short supply these days with all the mask making going on. Yeah, and also I'm not quite sure what kind of fabric I'm supposed to use um, because I only had gotten kits, and so they give you the fabric. Sure, yes. Um, Yes. And so I went to a fabric or a embroidery website and I quickly got overwhelmed by the choices and clicked out of it and did not buy any fabric. <laughs> you know what? You got the book. That's one step. I think the book will probably tell me what kind of fabric I need. I think it probably will. I mean, theoretically, you can embroider on pretty much any fabric, um, but there are definitely like a looser weave fabric is going to be a lot easier to like start with 
Do you know what I mean? Right. And I so. don't think I actually have any, like, non-printed fabrics. Sure. Um, aside from probably photography napkins. <laughs> Maybe I don't want to <laughs> embroider on just yet. Right. Right. What well, about you? Fun. Yeah. Um, I, I have I have two things that are bringing me joy this week. One of them is Aperol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, loving me some Aperol cocktails this week. You know, I it's funny. I I try not to have alcohol be be a thing that brings me joy. Cause, and right. you know, we talk about like. Not wanting to drink when we're sad, but I'm not sad this week. It's just one of those where I'm like, I really just want a fucking cocktail. So, Aperol is it this week. Um, Funnily enough, uh, my other friends, Stephanie, uh-huh. uh, also loves Aperol. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. It's very strange. I apparently only make friends with people named Stephanie and people they who like drink Aperol. Aperol. It's so mm-hmm. good. I like just like slight bitterness of it and I don't it goes so well with prosecco which is like my one true love. So, you know, it's just the whole thing. Did you know that a traditional spritz is supposed to have an olive in it though? Gross. That's disgusting. I know. Too gross for that me. That is revolting. I cannot <laughs> like a green olive? Um yeah, yeah, a green olive. olive. Disgusting. Like why? I don't know. Italy, man. They're that's disgusting. No, I reject that. So, I'm done with Aperol. <laughs> I reject your Aperol spritz with a fucking olive in it. That's gross. Not gonna happen. Um, the other thing is a couple episodes ago, I think it was in our um, hippie episode. You mentioned one of your friends had a cookbook called Preserving by the Pint. Um, yes. And that came in the mail today. Um, and so I'm really excited. I have never canned anything. Um, so I actually, I need to order a couple of things to do that, to like be able to properly can stuff. But I like the setup of the book because it's set up in seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's like springtime, like you know radishes and strawberries and garlic scapes and then moves into the summer and you know through the seasons like that which i really like and there's stuff that isn't like preserved there's stuff that like can also just go in the fridge um so i'm excited to dive into it because you know we're i know your produce is a little bit ahead of ours because you know Illinois um but we will be starting to get like our spring radishes and our garlic scapes and spring onions and all that kind of stuff here in the next month or so and so I'm really excited to like try there's a recipe for pickled garlic scapes in there and I love garlic scapes and can usually get them from our CSA farm so I'm super excited to try those. We actually don't get garlic scapes that often down here. Which is I love them so much. I think um the farms that grow garlic, like they just either don't harvest the scapes or they take them for themselves. I don't know. They're not they're only sometimes at the market. They're not very oftenly found. They're definitely you have to like look for them. But if anyone listening has never tried a garlic scape, 
you you can't like just find them in a grocery store like you're gonna have to either you're you're probably gonna have to find them at a farmer's market or like yeah find them it's like ramps mm-hmm. like you can yeah, just buy similar. ramps yeah very similar to that like sometimes sometimes our co-op grocery store will have stuff like that because they work so closely with the local farmers mm-hmm. um like they had morels at the um Wow. grocery the other day i know so like if you have a grocery store like that you can sometimes find like harder to find produce but i yeah i really want to try some pickled um garlic scapes because those would be just like so good like cut up and put in like like even like a tuna salad or egg salad or i don't even just like um folded into like an aioli oh be so mm, good that'd be good Right. That reminds so. me that I want. I've been meaning to pickle some carrots too. Mm, I just love. Mm. It's funny, Alex. We were t- Alex and I were talking the other day about how Eden. She's two months old, so in another couple months, we'll like start introducing like food, um, solid foods or whatever. And he was like, "When can we start giving her like pickled things?" <laughs> <laughs> He's like so excited to introduce her to like kimchi. <laughs> I mean, I know people have given their, maybe not babies, kimchi, but, I was like, you know, before a year, I think they've given it to them. I was like, you know, by the time she's getting to be like 10, 11 months old, like, we could probably, you know, give that kid some sauerkraut and kimchi and see what she thinks. (laughs) He was like legit excited about that prospect. It was really cute. (laughs) If nothing else, they will make an extremely funny face when they eat it. So right, it's so right. I well, he was like, like you can can you give them pickled things? I was like, yeah, I know people that give their like kids like little like baby. I mean, not like baby babies, but you know, like once they get closer to a year, like give them pickles or whatever. A lot of them love that shit. So it's cute. I love it. Oh, I have another thing that's bringing me joy. (gasps) Okay, Um, tell me. The LA, I got to go to the grocery store today, which was very exciting. That wasn't the joy thing, but um, <laughs> it was also exciting. But um, I had to pick up some body wash, and while I was in the body wash aisle, it was conveniently by all of the face stuff. Yes. And a face mask caught my eye, and I love face masks. Yes. And it has a tiger face on it, and so of course I bought it. <laughs> So I am very excited to use this face mask, if only because it has a tiger face printed on it. Have I have no seen, idea what it's going to do for my skin. But Have you seen the TikTok video of the guy that's, like, doing the, like, TikTok song, but it's like, uh, Carol Baskin killed her husband, whacked him. Oh, I have not seen... I don't know if there's a, this specific video you're talking about, but I have uh, been privy to the song because uh, John Oliver played played one it's of the TikTok so videos on good. his episode. It was I Alex found it today, and I was like peeing my pants. I was laughing so hard. So you know when nothing when the world has gone to shit. Thank God that Netflix gave us Tiger King. Yes. <laughs> now i'm very excited because i've also heard really good things about outer banks oh i have no idea what that's about it's not like know. a crazy reality show it's a regular show show but um i've heard it's good i don't know what it's about 
I will check it out. I don't know. Well, I was well, not super impressed with the movie we watched the other day, but I could. Yeah, I keep, the what was I can't even I can't even remember the name of it. Um, Love, marriage, repeat, or something like yes. that. Yes, I have to be honest. I don't think I got thirty minutes into it. I kept getting. It was like not interesting enough to hold my attention. So I just kept getting distracted and finally was like, I'm going to go watch some shitty reality TV instead. Um, I did watch the whole thing, but (laughs) I can't, I feel like I can't say the thing that happens without like spoiling it for everyone else. But there's a thing that happens like right in the middle of the, maybe not in the middle, but like toward the end of the movie. And you're like, what, what the hell? And then it like does other things. Something else happens after that. And you're just like, what? What? Interesting. I it just, just made it feel like they had all of these ideas for a movie and they wanted to put all of the ideas into <clears throat> the movie. And so they just like made this weird plot device to make all of these ideas happen. And I was just like, didn't work. That was dumb. <laughs> I don't like that. I just Googled Outer Banks Netflix and just this, the title of this review <clears throat> says, Outer Banks Review. Netflix teen drama is a lively, soapy adventure story. I'm in. Based on, based on this, uh, here's another how Outer Banks Netflix review. Stream it or skip it. And then the like little the blurb on Google says, um, starring these people and a cast of attractive and mostly shirtless teens. This might be Netflix's next quarantine era hit. I'm sold. Yeah, that's all I need. Because also we know that those teens are not actually teens. So They're not actually teens. I can't feel bad about it. Exactly. If I'm like, oh, man, he's hot. Like, he's probably at least 20. Like, that's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's okay, you guys. <laughs> well, now that we've revealed that we are creeps. Uh, if everyone got... If you got to this point in the episode, you already know we're weirdos. Because... <laughs> You listen regularly to us, so it's fine. (laughs) We will be back again soon with another episode, but in the meantime, maybe check out our archives or pop over to social media and check us out at IRSI Podcast or send us an email at I'd Rather Stay in Podcast at gmail.com. We love to hear from our listeners. Bye. Bye.